What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. If you've never practiced infinite banking, one of the biggest questions that you probably have is how does this thing actually work? How does this help me get closer to financial freedom? Because isn't my goal, Russ, to become financially free where my passive income exceeds my monthly expenses? And the answer is yes. We tell you all the time that the biggest obstacle we have seen in our almost 20 years of being in the financial world to becoming financially free is lack of access to cash. And infinite banking plays a big part of making sure that you have access to your money. In this episode, as we roll back the clock, going back four years to where Joey and I were going through the Becoming Your Own Banker book series, the book written by Nelson Nash, we are in part nine today. This is the part that actually got me fired up. This is the part that has me talking to you this very second, because had I not seen this example where somebody showed actually how does IBC work, I would have never, ever gotten to a point where I probably would have used it. So this episode is going to be huge for you to hear how infinite banking actually works so that you too will have clarity. I hope this helps you. Let's jump in right now to part nine of the Becoming Your Own Baker book series that we did from 2019. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome, this is the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Your host, Joey, the Italian stallion Murray, Joined, as always, by Russ, the idea guy, Morgan. Russ, this is the foundational concept of understanding infinite banking. Period. End of story. Hands down. Agree or disagree? Absolutely. This is the, the point that I actually understood and decided to move forward on learning more about infinite banking is when I saw a demonstration of what we're going to be talking about today, which is really the kind of famous, we, we refer to it a lot as the tale of two sisters or the CD sisters. Um, and it really kind of goes into where Nelson Nash in his book, Coming Your Own Banker, uh, on pages 41 through 47 ish says, you know, Hey, you can buy cars a lot of different ways. You can lease them. You can finance them, you can pay cash for them, or you can accumulate money and use a CD or a whole life policy to buy them. And he demonstrates what the difference is. And this is where I got to see the numbers, which is really what excited me to say, hey, I really need to understand this. Yeah. And you know me, I'm kind of, if you think about the Colby scale, when you start talking about the different personality types, I'm one of those that I can take the numbers but I, I can only take so much. I'm kind of right there in the middle. So don't give me too many numbers. 
don't give me too few numbers. I'm kind of right there in the middle. This right here was what exactly what I needed to, to kind of put the concept, take it from a concept that sounds good and prove it. Well, right. Uh, yeah. is, it, would that, is that how you would say? It? No, up to this point, we've hit all of these different chapters in the book and we went through kind of how do you start a bank? What does that even look like? How do you use insurance? How, you know, why is it that we have these human problems that are preventing us from getting there? And then now we're finally getting to the point where we're going to actually dive into some numbers. We're going to say, does this theory and concept actually work? And this is where you get your first taste of it. You get to see the example of two sisters, one using a CD and one using an insurance policy, both with the same objective of buying cars. And now you may read this book and you may see the example that he used where they're buying, and he, he refers to it as a Ford Taurus. I don't even know if they sell Ford Tourists <laughs> anymore. But he refer- pretty sure those are no longer with us. But, but he, he would refer to them buying um, a car every four years for $10,550,000. Um, so it was what, like $10,000. That's not that expensive a car. Now yeah, he, not today. Now he did say, you know, that's also with the trade in, right? So you had a trade in right. that if you're buying a car every four years, there's a decent amount of money. So this is like a 15 to $20,000 car tops, but he really wanted to make it for the average guy on the street that, Hey, this is not a concept that only exists for the elite. I know banks put billions of dollars in this. I know corporations put billions of dollars. In this. I know the the large and wealthy put millions and billions of dollars in this. But this is something you can do on a much smaller scale. Which, in, in, you know, right out of the gate on page 41, this is a great point that you're making. He, he says that most people kind of get to this point and they say they see this huge amount that is owed on a mortgage and they think, oh my goodness, I've got to tackle that, right? That's what I need to focus on, this debt that's holding me back. And he's like, wait a minute, that's not, it's so overwhelming. It, is, it would involve such a radical change of your lifestyle that it becomes practically impossible. So much better, let's take it more on the smaller scale, this much more bite-sized thing like buying vehicles, and that's why he applies this to the concept. Yeah. I mean, when you think about the first step, we always talk about in our process, right? What's the baseline step that we're trying to accomplish? Cash and cash value. Cash, cash flow. Cash flow, right? right? And so we're having to evaluate the right side of our financial freedom formula. Passive income has to be greater than monthly expenses. So we're starting to look at that monthly expense thing and we're looking at mortgages. We're looking at car loans. We're looking at student loans. We're looking at credit card debt. All of those things that are on the right side of the page, taxes. Well, he said, like you, like you, like you just mentioned, that focusing immediately on the mortgage, meaning like, I want to try to pay that thing off and eliminate that interest expense is such an overwhelming feat that most people would just stop and do nothing. That's right. And he says, let's go smaller. Let's go to something that everybody has. Everybody has a car. By the way, not everybody has a mortgage. You got, you got some people that are in such transit that they're just leasing or they're renting. And, and so they're not even owning a house. But unless you're in New York City, right? I mean, for the most part, everybody has a car. So he, I think he started with a very basic function for us to even break down this, thinking about the very bottom. We're going to start foundationally before we build on top of it. Yeah, good, good point. So now you were just telling me something before we got started here that, you know, how we explain things can sometimes be super important, bigger than the actual thing itself, right? 
that there's sometimes we have to just break it down to this simple way. Otherwise, you know, what, what, what good is it? Right. Do you have a story about that? Well, I mean, I, I've told this story a few times. I don't know if I've told it on our podcast or not, but I tried to explain infinite banking to my wife over and over and over again. And it was like running my head into the wall. She just couldn't get it. And one of the things which is going to come up a little bit in this section had to do with repaying, right? As he, as he talked about in this book, he says, in this section, he says, one, well, we have to repay the loans, right? If we're the grocery store, we have to pay for our groceries. If we borrow money from our bank, we have to pay it back. And I would explain that to her. And she'd go, but it's my money. It's my money. Why do I have to pay it back? It's probably two years in, Joey. I'm doing this. And obviously, you know, I kind of dove in full full uh, steam. And it, this is all I was doing. I'd gotten rid of all my security stuff. I was no longer doing um, any mutual fund investing, IRA, 401k. I, I finally said, Willie Wall Street, get behind me. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I thought, man, this is it. And so I surely can explain this to my wife. And no, she still wasn't getting it. And I thought, man, you went to dental school and they didn't teach you anything. I mean, this is so simple. <laughs> No, I mean, obviously I had to do a little bit with the teacher, but I was sitting there one, one Saturday, I'm watching this video and there's these kids and they're teenage kids. They were uh, children of a, an advisor you and I know, and they, they homeschool, which was kind of fun because, you know, that we were just at the very beginning uh, thinking about that. And the two kids were sitting there talking about how they had bought this big, huge barbecue, bar- barbecue grill. It's like a $1,200 grill, by the way, like like a massive thing. That's something, you know, you and I would probably buy. Yeah. And, and they, they had bought it with proceeds from one of their life insurance policies. And they were talking about how they bought the, this for their dad's birthday and how they were going to continue to do some jobs on the side, but then they would take that money and repay the loan back into their insurance policy and how all that worked. And so my wife heard these kids talking. So she came and sat down next to me. It was about a five minute video. It was over. By the way, it was pretty poorly done. Nothing near as good as what you and I do on a daily basis. That's a little bit of sarcasm because there are some terrible videos we've done in the past. Yeah. But I mean, there was nothing really fancy about it. No, just like, aha. It's just two teenage kids talking about it. it. It was over. And I thought, oh, that was pretty good. My wife goes, oh, I get it now. <laughs> That's I'm all like, it took. I'm like, what? What did you get? Oh, I know. I know that how that works now. Well, what is it about that that I haven't explained? It was so simple. It was just, it was, it was a little bit of numbers and it was a scenario that she wrapped her arms around, right? She had kids. She could see how the kids could use it to buy for her dad. Today's concept is about having a car. How do we use cars? We're going to do it anyway. How can we use a simple function in finance to enhance what we do by as much, Joey, as $700,000? Yes. So if you are listening and you just said, okay, that's interesting. Buy a car one way or the other. What's the big deal? A $700,000 difference is worth understanding this. This is where I like, he had my attention. One, I was reading the book, but when I listened to somebody do this live, they, they didn't use these specific numbers, right? And they just, they, they use some numbers closer to me. And it was, a, it was several hundred thousand dollars over like a 15 to 25 year period of time. And I was like, what? Like, yeah. I need to understand this. Like if it, it's just the way I buy cars is going to add value to my, my family's finances. That's simple. Let, let me get my arms around that. So this is kind of where we're going to dive in. We're talking about part three in Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. 
how to start building your own banking system. So Joey, yeah, we're, we're not going to break down all the different methods to buy cars. We're going to really focus in on these last two because they're really the most in, in light of building wealth or creating wealth. These are the only two that really matter. Right. So, so we always like to talk about the character. This is something you and I do on a regular basis as we're going through our podcast. And Nelson says, when it comes to the subject of finance, frankly, most folks don't understand the play at hand. Because he would always look at Shakespeare, right? Yeah. He, 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 would, he would quote Shakespeare and say, the characters in the play, once more Shakespeare said, all the world is a stage and all the people are, are actors therein. Yep. Well, if people in finance don't even understand who the characters are in the play, how are they going to get their arms around it? Yeah, they can't. Yeah, this is super important. And I love, he's the, he's the genius that was able to focus on something so simple. Yeah. It's happening all the time. In fact, Nelson was always the one that was famous to say banking is. That means it exists, whether you understand these characters or not. It's happening right under your nose. And you can either take advantage of it or you can be the one that is basically unknown and, and being taken advantage of. So what what is keeping us as a whole from truly understanding how the banking function works? Truly keeping us from realizing why using a method where we put our money, we capitalize our accounts. How what what do you think's that big obstacle out there? I think the big obstacle is knowing who the owner is or being the owner of the banking function. Okay, so when you when you talk about that, because obviously Nelson gets into that, if we if we have a deposit at a bank, right? What is it that we earn? We earn just the interest. We earn interest. Yeah. Well, he he says there's more to the play, right? There's more characters in the play. There's the person who's earning interest. That's in this example, the CD owner, right? Right. But there's also somebody earning dividends. That's the stockholder. That's the stockholder of the bank. Then he talks about there's administrative people, right? There's people that are getting paid salaries. That's right. Those are overhead in, in the in the business. Right. And, and he, he talks about all that. And then he says one group of people is paying for the whole thing. That's the, the borrower. <laughs> that's, that's the guy who's got a mortgage or a car loan or whatever at the bank. They're the ones paying for all of that other to happen. Yeah, because without that person who's borrowing the money, there is no loan that exists that is creating interest that's paying for all the other parts of that equation. And when you start to understand, at least when I did, that our deposits at the bank are what facilitates the bank's ability to turn around and lend it, I start getting a little frustrated. I start to think, you know, there's a lot of dollars I've put in there that they haven't paid me any interest on, but there must have been a profit because how else did the thing work? But see, Russ, did they really owe you anything? Are you really an owner in that bank? No, I'm just a depositor. Exactly. So you can't be that frustrated. Well, they gave me suckers. <laughs> they gave my kids dumb dumbs. <laughs> Right. I mean, think about that. That's that's pretty mm -hmm. funny when we think about it. Yeah. That when we go to the bank and we give them money and they turn around and they give us suckers because that's what we are. Yeah. But let's dive into the math. All right. So I, I want to talk about a couple of things here because this is this is very interesting. When Nelson says in this book that there's a several things that we have to focus on. The first thing is rule first rule of banking is not be afraid of capitalize. Don't be afraid to put money into this system. And when you think about the more money we put in, that means we're going to have more passive income at the end. So we're going to talk about that in a second. Well, we're going to talk about these break, two examples. Break that down for a second, Russ. Don't be afraid to capitalize. When have we ever been afraid to put money in a bank? 
When have we ever been afraid to deposit? We haven't, right? But we talked about this actually with one of our other guests recently. We get, I think the whole idea that we're so confused is because insurance calls those deposits premiums. They do. Yep. I mean, I, I, I'm, I was concerned about well, how much is my premium? It sounds like a, an expense or a weight that we have to li- be lifted or some sort of like advanced thing. Like I said, you pull up to the gas station, which one's the most expensive? The premium. Premium grade gasoline, right? Your premium has to be viewed as capitalization, as he talks about here, as your deposit in a bank. You're never afraid to do that. It, well, and also if you think about it too, the, the point of us getting into these, these policies and systems are, are the, the money that we're putting at work is something that a lot of times we, we relate to our other types of investments that people think of their 401ks, their IRAs. It's money that we can't touch, right? right. So even though we want to save, we always in the back of our brain are starting to think about, well, what if, you know, what if I need it or, more importantly, I want it, right? I'm, I'm thinking about going on a ski trip pretty soon. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't put that. 10 you're thousand. always thinking about going on a ski trip. <laughs> I am. I am. Who, who is it, man? It's wintertime. Let's at, go ski. at the lake. You think about skiing on the lake. Exactly. Okay. Right. But I mean, you know, you say, hey, I, that's, that's a pretty expensive ski. You know, skiing is not cheap, by the way. I mean, it's full fledged. It's 10 grand. Yeah. Slice it up. I've looked at 15 places trying to figure out a way to get it down. It doesn't matter, right? I mean, you can stay at the best place in one place and, and it's 10 grand. You can stay at the worst place in another, it's 10 grand. You just, it, it's always 10 grand. It's like Disney. It's just yeah. another $500. And you're about to figure this out when you buy a house. It's always $3,000 for this and $3,500 for that. I mean, yeah. the number always yeah. the same. So, but when you think about it, you always got those little things in the back of your mind. You say, well, it's going to cost me for this. So I, I better not put that extra money in. I'm going to hold it back. Right. Hold it back. I'm going to put it back. But you're right. In, in our savings and checking accounts, we're like, well, I, I can always take it right back. So I put it in there. Right. And I think the beauty of what we're going to be teaching today and what, what you're going to be able to pick up from this example uh, on page 45 of Become Your Own Banker, if you don't have this book, go buy. You can go to our website. We, we'll put it in the show notes. But when you buy the book and you look through this example, you start to see how Nelson was just showing somebody using it on a pretty regular basis every four years. Now we know we, we got people that are using this on a monthly basis in some situations like we are, but it is a something that you can use. You can get the money back. So there's not this fear of, of, of losing. Yeah, no, that's a critical. I think if anything, we are going to get into numbers today. We are going to get into actual dollars and cents. But I think if we, if we miss some of the mindset things that go along with this as we're explaining it, then we've missed a lot. And the first thing we already mentioned is the money we're putting into these policies are deposits. Don't be afraid to capitalize. Just as he says here on page 44, don't be afraid to capitalize. The more capital you put into it, the more you get back tax-free at passive income time. That is a critical thing. It's always going to be available. It's always going to come back to you with friends. It's with friends. And here's another thing, too. As you read this uh, book, there's different times where Nelson Nash talks about policy loans. And actually, in this example, and I didn't know this early on, it took me for a while that I figured this out, that he actually didn't use policy loans in this. He actually sold some of the insurance, which is a 
Most people are like, I didn't know you could do that. He sold some of the insurance, which created cash flow, but he did create an addendum to it. He said, you know, I would not tell anybody to do this, but sometimes when people hear the word loan, they think of all the negative connotation, right? My objective is to try to get rid of all these other loans. Well, why am I going to replace a bank loan with the insurance loan? Is that not the same thing? And so he kind of says, hey, by the way, I just want you to know that these examples are without loans. So if it works this way, it, it will work anyway, but it's only better. If you do it without, it's better. Right. And why is it better, Joey? Well, I'm going to just quote Nelson. I'm not going to even try to give you my perspective on it. He says, when one surrenders paid up additional insurance, that's what he's talking about, that you're surrendering in this example to pay for these different, um, for the car loans and all this stuff throughout the thing. He said, you're killing the growth potential of that much of the policy. Because you just recently, the, the policy, as you're putting in these premiums, it's buying this additional paid up insurance and it's just been bought basically. And he's saying you didn't give it enough time. You, the time, if you allow that paid up addition uh, insurance to grow over the rest of your life, that is a tremendously powerful compounding effect that if you, you know, if you basically give that up, withdraw it, you're, you're killing the growth. Let me try to re-explain that a little bit, Stallion. <laughs> That was, that was so convoluted. Struggle. I'm sorry. But this is where my wife was like, I don't understand you. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to try, I'm going to break it down a different way. Okay. We talk about compounding interest as one of the most powerful functions. If we have money at work and it's growing, you talked about coming back with friends. The book, um, The Richest Man of Babylon referred to that concept. He talked about making your goal, putting your goal to work. When our money is at work, it can grow, right? If your money is asleep, taking a siesta, it's not growing. No, no. Now, again, if you and I lay down and take a siesta, sometimes we may grow, right? Our, our waistbands may grow. But our money, when our money is taking a nap, it's not growing. Yeah. If we, if we get rid of our money, it's no longer growing for us. That's what he's pointing to. He's talking about compounding interest. The the old, you know, I've said this a hundred times, a thousand times probably to people. And I've asked the questions, when would you ever want your money to stop compounding interest? What do you think the answer is? I haven't heard anybody that said uh, anything other than never. Never, right? But when would you want it to start? I know I've heard some differences on that one. <laughs> as far back as they can yeah, say, right? As long as, as long as possible. As, as long as possible. But see, the thing about this, what he talked about is when he sold those little bits of insurance that you were talking about, that most people are like, I don't understand what you said. They're paid up insurance. But when he, when he got rid of that dollar, that dollar no longer was at work. That's right. That dollar was gone. It was no longer in his control. So it could no longer compound. And what he's saying is that if you let that run to the end of your life, that's the longest compounding curve you could possibly have. Yep. Logically. It, on a compounding interest curve, do you want the first day or the last day? Uh, last day. Do you want the first year or the last year? Last year. Why? Because that, that means it's been stacking on top of itself just that long. Well, if you think about it, a dollar uh, that, that's doubled every single day, right? A dollar becomes two, becomes four, becomes eight, becomes 16, 32, 64, so forth and so on. Yes. Think about what happens in day 25 and day 26. That thing starts jumping by the millions. Yes. It starts getting big, right? Now, I'm not saying our life insurance policy is doing that, but our life insurance policy is compounding. So when our money is at work constantly for the rest of our life, it is what we want. And so when he says, 
I did it a different way just to just to help the people who couldn't get their head out of the freezer about loans. I was just trying to prove the worst way you could do this thing. It's still, as we look at it in a second ago, smokes. It. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's quit talking about concepts. Okay, Russ, we're going to get to the numbers. here. I do. I so want to get to them. Let's break it down. Let's break it down. He, he first of all talks about. So what's our overall to, objective? What are we trying to do here? We're trying to pay for cars. Okay. How many cars are they going to buy? Isn't it? They're going to buy 11. I'm going to help you out. I okay. Didn't, I didn't know if you knew the numbers. I just wanted 10 or 11. I, I could remember. remember this is an audio program. I know there's a couple of people live on Facebook right now. Right. <laughs> and you, you got your, your fingers up and a toe. Come on. 11. Come on. Air but, quotes. So we're going to buy 11 cars over 44 years. Okay. All right. But first we have to capitalize. Why are we going to capitalize? And what does that even mean? Let's use a word that you, you wouldn't tell your daughters capitalize. What does that mean? I'd say save. Okay, we're going to save our money. Okay. Yes, save in preparation for this purchase, the first purchase. If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we were able to use that concept to create over $50,000 a month in passive income. But it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect into my own personal system? Stallion, that's why we created the Passive Income Operating System, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income. It makes all the steps come together. If you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener, we've never given this away in public before. Go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash P-I-O-S. There was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher saying, pop quiz day. Why? Because you were unprepared. Are you unprepared, though, for financial freedom? Don't be. Find out how close you are by taking our 30-second quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash quiz. Right. So we're going to try to put away $5,000 every year for seven years. Now, there's some people that read this book, stop here and say, oh, I got to put money into this insurance policy for seven years before I can use it. And that is a very common thought process because it looks like that is the only time that because this, this is the first example of using numbers and you know be honest i mean once you get to this part you you see the numbers got seven hundred thousand more it's like okay what else do i need to know you, you don't even get to the other examples That's right. and, and, and that happens so if you're hearing this or about to read this book and you go oh so in order to do this i gotta put money into life insurance policy for seven years i can't touch it till then the answer is no exactly that's wrong exactly you can you can access cash value as soon as it's available in this example, he uses in year one, $5,000. One account it goes into, he's showing a comparison. One's going into a CD. It's earning 5.5% paying taxes on it, so net's four. Now, I know you're going to say, wait a second, what, show me that bank. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that doesn't exist today. Th this book was written in 2000, right? So if you go back, and we've done this in the past, we've looked back, uh, all those rates are correct. Yeah, he, he literally was just using at the rates at the time. I know the rates are a lot cheaper and we're going to give you two different videos. And I actually used an up-to-date video to redo this numbers. And you can go watch that. Uh, it's the infinite banking um, concept explained by CFP. If you want to YouTube that or go to the show notes. But he, he he's talking about at the end of year one, the CD uh, sister in this example had $5,200. Yeah, or 5,000 or 4%. Yeah, that's the 4% growth. But the person that put the money in the policy only has 1933. Okay, so now... the 5,000. But if the person wanted to use 1500 of the 1900 in year one, could they use it? Absolutely. It's How available. do they use it, by the way? What do you mean? I, if, um, I, if they want to go on vacation, what's what the process? About? If they want to borrow that money, 
they literally would call the insurance company and say, please put $1,500 in my account. How long does that take? It takes them three to five business days. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. So they're going to put this $5,000 away and we're going to start picking up the pace here. But I just want to make sure because if you're not looking at this set book, the stage. if you're not looking at this book, it's going to be hard yeah. to understand this. But by the way, we do have videos on this. You can actually go watch the video I did on this exact example. Excuse my just hideous uh, just a, appearance. I just know I just got back from a football game. I'd driven all the way through snow and ice through the middle of the night so I could do that video. I had no voice. It was the worst video, but you can find it. It was if, not your finest day. It's example of infinite banking. Only 81,000 people have watched that video. So I'm so excited about that, by the way, that the worst video I could possibly have created. Great numbers, great concepts, great content. I personally was not that exciting in it, but if you want the exact numbers, you can go watch that for sure. All right. $5,000 a year going into two examples, saving 5,000 a year for seven years. Yes. So the CD sisters putting that in. So there's 35,000 of deposits, if you will. Okay. Right. And we're, we're trying to keep track here. So we already mentioned the first year, the CD sister has 5,200. The person with the, the life insurance policy has 1933. So let's, let's talk about that for a second. Year one, they're comparing notes. The two sisters are comparing notes and they say, man, what a great year. And the CD sister says, I'm up 200 bucks. And the, the other sister says, what? I got 1900. That's a fraction of what I put in. That's 40% of what I put She's in. She's struggling, right? I mean, this does not look good. Why is that though? Okay. That, I was hoping you'd ask that, Russ. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Because <laughs> Nelson actually points out something in this, in this chapter, this example. He talks about that nobody points out the fact that banks had to go through a growth stage, right? They, he explained it earlier in this book about how a bank has to bring funds together. Then it has to apply for a charter. Then it has to go through all the red tape of getting that thing started. Then it's got to find land. Then it's got to build and it's got to hire all the hired help. All these expenses have to go into building a bank. Well, the CD, the bank that's creating the CD has already been established. So those costs are not even considered in this equation. But yet the life insurance is like starting a business from scratch. Because that's what he says. This literally, when you start an insurance policy, it's like you created a business that never existed that you now are going through that cost of acquisition. You've got to get it off the ground. Now, Joey, in this example, this person had 40% of what they put in there. A typical policy you and I put together has roughly what percentage in year one? Roughly 70%. Yeah. I, anywhere between, we've seen 60 to 85 in some situations. Exactly. I'm just saying that. But, but to me, it, he even puts together a policy where year one has 40%. Now, if you and I put together a policy at 40%, we're like, what? That doesn't work. That's not right. Yeah, that's too low. But the the funny thing about this, he did it with not trying to juice the numbers up, right? There's a lot of times my father-in-law has a saying that liars figure and figures lie. Mm. It's because a lot of times when people put together comparisons, what do they do? They create a comparison and whose favor? In theirs. In their own, right? Yeah, absolutely. So. But in Nelson's situation, we, you and I know that he could have made those numbers for the insurance policy so much better. Yeah. That, it's not even close. But it really was unnecessary because this thing is going to just 
totally take off on its own. We it, don't have to. We don't have to make it something it's not. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to be the fly with 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 a hammer, right? I mean, he, he knew he's going to whoop it. Why? Why did he need to make it any worse? So as you start digging through this, I just want you to know as we uncover these different areas, one pitfall we have is thinking of the deposit, not as a deposit, but thinking of as a premium, as an expense, money that I'm putting away, I'm never going to get. Then we look at year one comparison and we go, oh man, if I would have had that money in anything, most likely, you know, hey, I could even put it in the stock market and maybe end up having as much or more of that. Yeah, exactly. So we have to stop thinking of it as day one. This is the other rule that Nelson always says is think long range. So we can't just compare year one or year two. We're looking at a life game, which we are comparing 44 years here, right? 44 years is a long time for this to continue on. So let's, let's continue on. So they're, they're depositing these dollars. Again, it takes about seven years. Is that right? Am I looking at this right? Seven years before these things start to even out as far as the dollars. Well, you got ahead of yourself, Stallion. Come on, man. My wife's here <laughs> struggling to follow you again. It's like, let's let's bring this thing back on the rails. Communication rest. is one of my gifts. Yeah. I, that's why you graduated with a communication major. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. We're, we're off to the races here. So we're, we're going to follow this down. I know you um, you may not have this spreadsheet as you're riding down the road or running on the treadmill, but just, just take my word for it and then go back and, and, and look at it. Why don't we also maybe take a screenshot of this and put this in the show notes so somebody could go back and look at that okay. if they wanted to. Just notate that because, you know, that idea is great until it never gets implemented. <laughs> All right, so at year seven, we, we've comp- we, we finished putting in $5,000 in a year. So we've put in 35000 We got forty one k and some change in our CD. We got 29000 and some change in our life insurance policy. No, 30, almost thirty six in year oh, seven. I'm sorry, I'm looking... One, one before that. We're at 36000 <laughs> All right. So now we're going to buy a car for $10,550. And we're going to do that every single uh, four years. Now, what you were saying is that in this book, he talks about replenishing the money. And That's he right. says, this person is going to go down to uh, the car lot, figure out, hey, if I bought a car for 10550 and I financed it, what would the monthly payment be? And he finds out the monthly payment was going to be $260. That's right. Now, because he's using a CD that he already has the money for, and he's going to just be replenishing that money into the CD, but he figured out, is like, look, I can, if I paid an annual payment one time and not a monthly payment, it would be discounted from $260 a month times 12, which is like $3,120, I think, down to $3,030. So if, you, if you're looking at the example, you're trying to figure out how in the world he came up to three. Three thousand thirty. That doesn't. Uh, that's not two sixty times twelve. Just know that it had about a two and a half percent discount for paying annually on. Okay, thanks for clearing that up. He's just trying to keep the math simple. Yeah. All right. So he he starts. He takes a ten thousand five hundred fifty dollar uh, withdrawal from a CD. Starts paying it back roughly two sixty a month or annualized three thousand and thirty. He goes over to the insurance policy. He sells that crazy uh, life insurance uh, rider you were talking about, the paid-up insurance. And he takes the $10,550 to the car dealer, buys the same car, and does the same thing. Instead of sending the money back to a savings account, where does he send it? Sends it to the insurance company. He does that for four years. At the end of four years, he's got $49,000 in a CD at the end of the first uh, car. The second one, um, 
at the at the end of the four years for his life insurance policy, he's got 45, right? That's right. So he's still behind. He's still behind. Now buys a second car for 10550 right? That's right. Goes back to the bank, sells some of his CD, enough to buy the car, and then sets up the repayment system to his CD, does the same thing with the insurance policy. At the end of four years, this is year 15, he's got 58464 in the CD. How much does he have in the life insurance policy? 5957 now in Alabama, fifty nine five seventy is greater than fifty eight four sixty four. That is a true statement. It it should be greater than most places, right? <laughs> most, I, was, yeah. I was trying to set you up for a joke there. You couldn't even follow through on that. <laughs> but but here's the thing: is that that is the first point in this example as to when the life insurance policy actually had more cash. How many cars has he bought at this point? Two. He's bought two. We've gone through fifteen years. Now some people would say, I could wait fifteen years. That's definitely not the, uh, hey, pay me now, immediate satisfaction kind of con- culture that we're in. But was it going to buy the, was 15 years going to happen for this person one way or another? Absolutely. Was there, were they going to buy at least two cars based upon this scenario? At least. Okay. So is it really that big of a deal that took them 15 years? No. No. Now, what's the only thing that could have happened? I mean, there, I guess there's probably some other things, but the one thing, the simplest thing, why doesn't this person get to 15 years? What do you mean? Give me an example to where, hey, well, Joey, but I mean, you know, what if I don't get 15 years in? I, I get hit by a truck and well, you're 10. The life insurance will pay out. How much? 529236 Is that more or less than the uh, uh, $44,000 that was in the CD account? Just just a hair above it. Okay. So we're looking at this. We One of two things going to happen. Either we're going to live or die, right? So if I'm still living in 15 years, I've, I've made it to that point. In this example, now, you're going to see if you go to uh, YouTube and you watch the video uh, of Infinite Banking Concept Explained by CFP, you're going to see that it gets there quicker. Well, why? One, because we designed the policies a little bit differently, right? We designed them at where more cash is available early. But also, we know that using the money is going to help us get there faster if we do it this way. So let's go fast forward a little bit further. So if year 15, we've already called it. Well, let's go down and let's buy a couple more cars. Let's get down to, say, year uh, 39, Joey. We bought one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight cars at this point. The CD sister has 159000 How much does the insurance sister have? 378000 So at this point, we're over $220,000 more. Yes. You don't have to look at it. If I say it, just say yes. <laughs> it's good. I'm always trust but verify, Russ. Come on. All right. But here's the thing is that it's a lot more. It, that's six figures more. Did, did he buy more cars? No. Did he have to work any harder? Nope. Same, same inputs. Did, did he? Same to, output. Did he have to take on any more risk? No. The only difference was, is that he was more of the characters in the play, as we talked about earlier. That's right. So he's not only the depositor and not only the borrower. He's now the stockholder. Right. Whereas the stockholder in the CD situation was being at the bank, somebody else. And people will look at this and say, well, how can that be? The bank? How? Why? And Nelson clearly points it out in the book. He says, if you at any point, if you wanted to know how much the owners of the banks made, if they would have taken their money and put it at work uh, and compounded for that same period of time, it's the difference. 
The difference in what? The difference between the insurance column and the CD column. That's right. So give that example of 159 to 378. That means that there was profit every single year up to that point that that CD stockholder, the bank stockholder, could have been putting it away to equal that 378 number. Yeah. So they would have had that other $220,000 in their pocket while they only had to pay out the interest. So we fast forward, we bought 11 cars at this point. So we're looking down at year 51, because remember we started, we put 5,000 a year in for seven years. And then we bought 11 cars every four years, right? So you with me, seven plus 41, 51 years. At the end of 51 years, now again, if you didn't start this when you were 10, <laughs> you may not get to year 51. That's okay. But, you know, Nelson Nash was 88 years old when he died. Yes. This is a concept that played out the whole course of his life, did it not? It did. And we know that he was buying cars and doing, using money all the way up until the end. So whether or not you get to 88 or not, we don't know. Nobody knows. But what we know is that we're using money over a period of time. So year 51, the... The CD sister has 258. We're going to round up to 259,000. How much does the insurance sister have in their account? I'm sorry. You said good. 960. Man, get this guy. 964. 964,000. That's 700,000 more. Now, again, that's a really crazy number to me to think about just two Profit from one over the other was over 700,000. That's right. So, this is what I saw for the first time. And I said, Man, tell me more. Yeah, I'm doing it wrong. I, well, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it wrong if I'm not doing the same, having the same cash flowing through my hands, the same number of purchases of vehicles, and having a different result. How many more pieces of property could you buy with $700,000? Yeah, absolutely. As how, much as you can. How much more could you invest in your business? Tons. How many more ski trips got to go on? Oh, <laughs> you know, depending on <laughs> 10. <laughs> but you know what, Russ, I'm going to point this out too. We talk about this on the show all the time that our goal is to take control, to pick a path, and to get there faster. This to me is an example of both one, taking control and getting there faster. If I have more access to capital my entire life because I'm now the stockholder too, I'm now getting the dividends and interest, how many more things can I do to get there faster? That's yeah. what that's what I'm talking about. Well, every time, I love this too, because we think about this, right? This extra cash that's growing, it, it was being used partially for buying cars, right? But I mean, we're not going to keep $700,000 in this account for cars that we're never going to buy. What are we going to be using these dollars to do? We're going to be buying passive income assets and investments. with. So this is a way that we get our dollars. We were talking about having lazy dollars earlier, mm-hmm. but really most people make their, their, uh, their dollars lazy. They put them in bad places. They put them to sleep at places. They put them in an account that can only do one job. Instead of putting their dollars in a place that they can do multiple jobs at the same time. You were talking about multitasking before we started the show. And I told you there's no way for you to multitask. People have done studies upon studies of this, that multitasking is a lie. Your brain is operating one function at a time. So really what it ends up doing, if you're trying to do two things at once, is doing both of them poorly. 
But here's the difference with our dollars. We can get our dollars to do multiple jobs if we put our dollars in accounts for the opportunity. So if we had our dollars in this account, right, our dollars could be used to buy cars. But all of those extra dollars could be used to do what? Invest in our business. It, it could be used to do what? Else? Buy real estate. To do what else? Lend. Like we talked to somebody this morning about a lending opportunity. To do what else? Anything that you want. <laughs> I mean, the reality is, you name it. Could it could it be used to use your uh, to send your kids to college? Hundred percent. Could it be used to retain your employees? Absolutely. Could it be used to take over debts on other things that you have every day? The the your imagination is your only limitation, and the amount of money we're putting into these things. That's where the infinite part comes in. It is true. Infinite banking, right? But let, let's talk really practically about the end of the story for us. And I think this is also what kind of jumped out at me. Yes, $700,000 in an account differential is, is huge. But what does that really turn into when it comes to passive income? Putting money at work where we're not having to? Right. I mean, just from this account, we're not talking about the things that we could have bought with the money along the way. I'm talking about the money at the end. Well, that's, that's important because you and I, we've done videos on that too. We've done videos on how our insurance policies create passive income. And there's a lot of uses of these dollars along the way. Nelson even talked about in this is that when we take policy loans, by the way, to, to use it to buy cars, for instance, to buy businesses, to buy real estate, it creates areas for windfalls down the road when we sell those things. We have inheritances. We have all different areas. And he said, I had them all, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it creates a place. But we talk about, hey, when we get to this point, maybe we get to an area in time where we no longer want to go to work. Even if it's fun, we just, we, we kind of get to the point, you know, all these things I have, I don't want to, I don't want to think about it. I want to just sit back. I just want to receive income. And the most simple fashion, is there anything simpler than getting a check from an insurance company? I don't, I don't know. it. I, I mean, maybe it's social security. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, you know, I guess like you may get a little anxious whether or not, you know, they're going to do away with it or cut it because the government doesn't have money, whatever that is. But the reality is, is that a check that comes and most people think of a check from an insurance company as an annuity. Most pensions were created off of that. That's we right. got this money coming back to us very simply. So, Joey, if I've got $258,000 in a CD and I want to take out $50,000 a year, how long will that money last? It's going to take five years and eight months. That's right. I just added that up real quick in my head. Yeah. No, Nelson said it in the book. He said it in the book. Sorry. Now, if I want to take $50,000 out of an account that had 964,000 in, how long could I take it out for? I'm still counting. (laughs) Eight, 13. Well, he took it out for, actually, it could continue. He took it out for 13 years and he still have over a million dollars. So his account balance was actually growing. Yeah. It didn't slow down. How is that, by the way? Well, because he was taking it out as a, at a percentage lower than what the count was growing at. And so what he that says in is here powerful. is that somebody could take out $50,000 in this example at this time indefinitely and never have less than a million dollars in it. And it, it goes back to, again, the person could have taken out obviously a lot more than 50000 and it would have started running down. But what we're looking at is that I, I, at the end of the day, I did all of this work. And I used a bank and it worked, by the way. I mean, the person, they, they put in less money than what they took out. They were able to take out 283000 But if you if you subtracted how much money they put in from how much they took out, it was like 58 they put in and they were able to take out 283. So 
using a, a CD work for this concept. And he talks about that. You don't have to use an insurance policy. I don't know why you wouldn't. It's just a better tool, but you don't have to. Banking works. This infinite banking process is not about a life insurance policy. It's literally about the process of taking over the functionality of the whole banking system. But the person who put in 50 something thousand dollars net into their insurance policy and had taken out 650 and then had over a million three in death benefit to leave to the next generation, which one would you rather be in? What position? That's a game changer. It, this is how we create wealth. This is how we pass along wealth. This is what the wealthy do with money is they think more efficiently. And that's what this concept of infinite banking really is. It's a process to use our money wiser. Love this, this episode because it allowed us to dive into numbers that you may or may not have followed. I hope you'll go watch the two videos yeah, we talked about on YouTube. The, those, the those infinite banking so concept better. explained by CFP or example of infinite banking. And you can go and we, we will put this page so you can go. I hope you just go buy the book. We'll put that in show notes too. Yeah, a link to becoming your own book, uh, banker by Nelson Nash. But this is just where to me, I get fired up. It's like letting my brain start to think about, man, this is going to work, but also knowing it, it takes a little bit to get it going. So I come in, I, not with this, just I'm going to get it all out of the gate. And so it prepares me for a long-term process. It helps me think long range like Nelson talked about. Well, and I, I'm just going to end with a couple of thoughts that as, as we're going through this, I get fired up as well, because this is talking about somebody that's got $5,000 a year to put towards this, to, to capitalize. Now, when we start thinking outside of this is a vehicle every four years, Imagine the other dollars that are going through your hands, through your fingers, if you will. I'm kind of doing the air fingers right now for those of you just listening. And it's just like sand is going through your hand. That's what I'm thinking about the dollars that go through your hand that you do not get to um, join in on the profits. Mm. Think about that for a second. We're talking about a $700,000 difference on one small function in your life. Imagine the other functions that you should be taking advantage of with this concept. There's a reason why when we're talking to people, they don't stop with one aspect, right? $5,000 a year, That's these are old numbers. That's why you updated it. What's realistic? What should people be putting away? We've talked about richest man in Babylon. We're talking about 10, 15, 20% of your income should be going through one of these policies just to begin with. And then imagine what those profits look like. That's what is so powerful about this concept and why we want you to take advantage of it and you to be the person that starts the process for your family. I think about Nelson right now and the legacy that he left behind was not just the dollars that are on the page. But now his family has a system that will continue to permeate the rest of his generational um, lineage here because they've all got these things in place and they're just flowing right to the next one, right to the next one, right to the next one. And he's taught them how to do it. So anyway, I know what this has gone long, but man, this is such a great example. I hope that you, it was powerful for you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset 
and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.